I hope you're having a great summer. I am. In fact, as you are listening to this episode, I am either on the way to Barcelona or I'm in Barcelona, possibly drinking a gin tonic or touring one of the Antonio Gaudi architectural masterpieces, or maybe I'm at the beach. It's all possible. For this week, I've chosen one of my favorite recent episodes, Unconventional Perspectives on Product Roadmaps for the Secrets of Product Management Classic Edition. There's been a lot of discussions from many of my PM thought leader friends on LinkedIn about roadmaps recently. I have a very different perspective on roadmaps than most people, and you can hear about that in this episode. Now, you can find the show notes for the episode at secretsofpm.com slash 124. I hope you enjoy it and find the ideas useful and somewhat thought-provoking. We think of our product roadmaps like the roadmaps we get at AAA or the local gas or petrol station or, of course, on Google Maps. We know our destination and the roadmap shows the route we have to take to get there. All the roads shown on the map are correct, and it has all the latest information about the route. And when we share our roadmap, we're sharing the list of roads we'll be using to get to our destination. Hopefully most of them superhighways. Now, this is the metaphor that's behind the concept of a product roadmap. And it's useful if you use it right. But the reality is that even for a mature product with product market fit, the roadmap is more like a sketch on a napkin from 20 years ago. The first part of the trip may be clear and accurate, the near term, the stuff you're working on right now. But the sketch gets less and less detailed as it gets nearer the desired destination. And of course, sometimes there's a new freeway that bypasses a whole town and enables you to move a lot faster than you expected. But more often, a key road is washed out, so you need to backtrack a long way to get around the obstacle. But often, and this is particularly true for products that are still in the developmental phase or the growth phase, we don't even know if our destination even exists. If it's a new product with a new value proposition, your roadmap is kind of just a sketch on a banana leaf with some cities and landmarks, and a big X marks the spot across an unknown plain with no roads, the shining city of legend, which may not even exist, and that's your destination. And this is the reality of product roadmaps. They're not like a clean, shiny AAA map or a Google map. They're more like a sketch where we know something, but not everything, and the route itself may have unknown hazards and obstacles. And they may be a sketch so sketchy that we can only proceed by hacking away at the jungle in what we think is the right direction with our machetes. So the realities about roadmaps, the facts about roadmaps is that they are predicting the future, of course, and we all know that predicting the future is very difficult. Yogi Berra said it best, prediction is hard, especially about the future. It might have been Niels Bohr who said that. A lot of people take credit for it. They're all dead now, all those people. So that's the first thing. We are predicting the future, which means, of course, we're likely to be wrong since it's the future. The future is not that predictable. Secondly, one of the big challenges of the roadmap is that despite the fact that it's predicting the future, it's interpreted as a commitment. No matter what you do or say about it, the audience has a cognitive bias that's going to turn your roadmap, the things you say about what you're going to be doing, into kind of a commitment in their minds. And that's a really important thing you have to manage. And the reality is that, generally speaking, they don't really want to know what you're working on anyway. They want to know any of a bunch of other things, and I'll get into a little more detail about those things, and they think that learning what you're working on will tell them that. 
This is episode 124 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I'm your host, Nels Davis, and I'm here to tell you some unconventional things about product roadmaps in this episode. But before we get into the episode, I did want to tell you, I have room for up to two new clients for my product manager grad school starting in December or January. Every day, you're faced with challenges that test your confidence, your product management skills, and your problem-solving and persuasion abilities. My PM grad school program is a combination of an individual training curriculum tailored to your needs and one-on-one coaching. Clients say it's tactical, pragmatic skills that I can start using right away. You taught me overarching key methods and frameworks that I can apply to virtually every aspect of product management. In particular, storytelling became a powerful skill set for me. And I became a lot more confident and felt like this isn't so scary. So my goal there and what I do with clients, I help you build confidence, I build your skills, give you frameworks and mental models. You'll get all of that in the Product Manager Grad School program. To learn more, reach out to me at nils at nilsdavis.com or on LinkedIn at nilsdavis. Love to have you reach out and we can talk about whether the PM Grad School program might be right for you. So roadmaps, they're a necessary evil. We tend to have to present them to all kinds of different stakeholders. It's a little bit of an unfortunate metaphor, as I talked about, because roadmap makes us think about that beautiful Google map when it's really more like the sketch. So let's talk about some of these details. You know, we all have to do it. It's stressful and problematic. I've always felt that anyway about roadmaps. It's a good way to set yourself up for failure. And we might as well get better at it if we're going to do it. And we might as well do that from thinking about roadmaps more or less from first principles and not just be a knee-jerk about putting all the things that we're building onto a slide, because that's pretty dangerous. So the first thing, or one of the things to think about, is the fact that each stakeholder actually wants to know something different from you. Like, there's always this question, or a comment that people make about the roadmap. How can marketing plan their launches without knowing the roadmap? Well, the fact is that 90 plus percent of what you will build and deliver will not actually be interesting to marketing. This is reality. So if you are working on something that will be interesting to marketing, you should talk to them about that specific thing. And they don't really need to see the roadmap for anything but that, right? They don't need to know what else you're working on. They need to know about the thing that's going to be part of a marketing launch. And that's not very many of the things you build as a rule. And the same is true for sales. And of course, you don't really want sales selling future stuff in any case. That's going to cause a lot of problems on its own. But the other reality is that most of what you're going to deliver in the next year won't have an impact on sales per se because of that feature. Maybe in specific contexts, in which case you should work directly with sales and marketing on understanding and being able to communicate effectively about those specific things. You know, if sales has a specific deal that requires a specific feature to be delivered, well, even if they say they do, it's usually not true. But if they do, then you should be talking to that prospect directly about that feature specifically, finding out what they really need, talking about how they probably can already do the thing that they need with other parts of the product already. That's how a lot of those conversations come out. And there's no reason to go and open the whole kimono. It does no one any good partly because you're predicting the future. You don't want to predict the future to the customer because then they're going to feel like it's a commitment and you might mess up on it. So yet another reason to be careful. Now, what about customers? Well, customers actually 
don't care that much about what you're building. In some small cases, they do. But their questions are more like, well, can I trust you? Are you working on what I'm interested in? Will you be around for the long term? Generally, they don't care what, about the things you're building, but they care about some of the things, right? So that is true. You know, and I just want to also point out one thing about public roadmaps. We always think, oh, we should have a public roadmap. A lot of us in high tech, because of sort of the nature of our characters, our characters, you know, we're completists, we're technical people, we're very rational. We think of ourselves that way. And so we think, well, we should just tell everybody what's going on. But I just want to point out a few people who don't have public roadmaps. Uh, Apple, for example, they don't have a public roadmap. Amazon doesn't have a public roadmap. And even... For example, when there are leaks about the next iPhone, guess what? All of the engineering is done for that iPhone. All the testing has already happened. The tooling is already built, and it's already in place in the factories in China, and often the phone is in production. And the leaks really mostly come from case manufacturers. Not totally true, but to a large degree. That's how we know about what the new iPhone is going to look like before it's launched. It's because we know what the cases are going to look like. And, of course... Nobody, Apple doesn't release design specs for cases until they finalize the design for the inside. Or, sorry, until they finalize the design for the outside of the phone and all the connectors and all that kind of thing. So they don't really have a roadmap that talks about the future. They have a roadmap, and they don't tell us about those, those things anyway. Those are all leaks. So just because somebody says, well, we must have a roadmap. And, of course, do people talk about what they're building within Apple? Of course they do, but in fact, most people in Apple don't know what's being built. They're very secretive. Even there, they're very secretive. Not that I necessarily think Apple is the company to emulate for things like this, but it's just an interesting data point. But then you think about what what about the strategy, and there's all this stuff about, you know, the, the roadmap is a picture of your product strategy and flight and things like that. You know, Saeed Khan said something about the roadmap being related to the strategy. He said, if you're talking about your roadmap, but not also talking about objectives and strategies and how they feed into your roadmap, then you're not talking about a roadmap. And I totally agree with that. You know, the things you are building should be related to the strategy. You should be able to articulate that. And this is especially true, especially if the strategy is explicit. Of course, it's harder to do that if there is no explicit strategy. And of course, it also helps if the, strat if the strategy is actually good. And there's a lot of other problems if you have an explicit strategy, but it's a bad strategy. That's a whole other kettle of fish, and roadmaps are not going to be a big part of, well, best practices with roadmaps kind of go out the window in that case. And Sun Tzu said, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. And sure, of course, it does help to know what you're doing in a big picture way, but do you always tell everybody what your tactics are, even if you have a big strategy? You maybe don't. But it still doesn't say why I need to share everything that I'm working on if we start thinking about strategy and roadmaps. Often the desire is to be able to show that we, product, understand the strategy and that our work is aligned to it. And this is as much to show that we're not idiots or malingerers as anything else. I mean, we don't, don't want to be working on stuff that's not aligned to the strategy, particularly if there's an explicit one. And we do want to take the opportunity to show that we are working in that way. There's one other really good thing about being explicitly aligned to the strategy, which is that when someone like a hippo, a highly paid person, and their opinion 
they ask for something new, you can ask the pointed questions. How does that align with the strategy? And how have we validated that it aligns with the strategy? And which things, which thing or things that are in the current plan and are aligned with the strategy do we pull in order to do your thing? It's much harder to say that to a hippo if you're not aligned with an explicit strategy because then they're just going to say, well, what I want is a strategy. That's not really a good, legit answer, but it's the answer that highly paid, important people often have. Now, I want to take another little tack on roadmaps. This is another perspective on them or another aspect of the challenges of roadmaps. And that is around your audience's subconscious and the fundamental rule of persuasion. You know, people make decisions emotionally and justify them rationally. I call that the fundamental rule of persuasion. It's a rule of thumb. It's not 100% accurate, but it's directionally very true. And there's another aspect of the subconscious as well, which is that people subconsciously trust people who take care of them, and they subconsciously distrust people who don't take care of them. In the context of a roadmap presentation, for example, not taking care of somebody can take many forms. And of course, the somebody is the audience, the people you're presenting this roadmap to. You might not be talking about the thing they want to hear about. You might be saying too much about it. You might not be saying enough. You might not be answering their question about what you're building, even if they didn't ask the question. And you might be confusing them. So these are all things that you need to be very careful about when you're doing your presentation. Just like any presentation, a roadmap presentation has all of these challenges as well. You know, So making sure that the audience can keep up with what you're saying, that the, the thing is formatted well and is groomed well. Because another thing that can impact some people's subconscious is when you have typos or when you have misalignments or misspellings and things like that. That particularly sets me off, those things. But it impacts a lot of people. A lot of people, will, will their subconscious will think, oh, I can't trust that person because they didn't take enough care to fix that spelling error or that grammatical error. So you have to think about all of the key skills of giving presentations and of persuasion and influence when you present a roadmap, not just what's on it. And of course, there's another aspect of the subconscious as well, which is that your audience has an aversion to facts and figures. This is just a cognitive thing. People don't want to learn new stuff. They don't want to get new facts. To be persuasive and influential, you have to give them their facts wrapped in something nice, which is typically a story. That's why stories are so important. And you need to tell stories alongside the things that are on your roadmap or for each of the things that are on your roadmap. The story of how someone is suffering because they don't have this thing that you're building and how their life will be transformed when you release that thing. You know, people don't love your app. They love what your app enables them to do. And your audience engages with what you're going to do because you're going to tell the story about how people are going to love your app for that reason. So how do you put all of these ideas into practice? I gave you a bunch of stuff. How do you put it into practice? Well, first of all, recognize that roadmaps aren't really for communication. They're for persuasion and influence. So you need to use your tools for persuasion and influence, like storytelling, pacing, putting yourself in the audience's shoes. Understand that your biggest constituency is your audience's subconscious, not their rational brain even though their rational brain is along for the ride and can throw up its own flags, of course. Keep in mind what they, what they need from you, not what you have to tell them. 
And finally, don't be a completist. It's easy for us technologists to be a completist, to just throw up everything we're working on, but that's a mistake and you want to avoid that. Because again, most people don't really care. Most of your audience doesn't care about all those details. They care about the thing they care about. And it might not just be one thing, it might be multiple things, but they don't care about everything. Summarizing roadmaps, you can't live with them, you can't live without them. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. And if you have any great stories, disasters, or otherwise about roadmaps, leave a comment or drop me a line. This has been episode 124 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I'll put a few links to some of the things I talked about into the show notes, which are at secretsofpm.com slash 124. And don't forget, I have a couple of slots available for my product manager grad school program. Reach out if you want to learn more about how to improve your confidence, your skills, and your career. And until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.